0: 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'll start reading at verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. We made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty... For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard, when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So tonight I want to look at—I don't know if I'll get finished. We're going to take our time looking at why we hold to the King James Bible, or you might we say God's preserved words in English. So let's pray, Heavenly Father. We do thank you again for. The opportunity we have to open your word, we thank you that we have your promises that you've given us concerning your word, which really is concerning yourself, because uh, you are the word, the living word of God, and the word declares yourself to us, and we thank you for that. We thank you that we have can have confidence and assurance in the word of God, and that it is um, Preserved uh, preserved, inspired, and um, has power to change hearts and, um, and mold lives. And we just thank you for that. We pray you help us to understand these truths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. So as so we consider the Word of God tonight and, you know, why we hold to the King James Version in the English language, of course the Bible was originally was given it was given in Hebrew Old Testament some Aramaic of the Old Testament but Hebrew Old Testament and Greek in the New from which our king the, and we believe that there's a there's a certain group of manuscripts called the Texas Receptors, which means received text really from which we get our King James Bible and of course there's lots of Bible versions out there today in the English language, all claiming to be the Word of God. However, they differ, as we're going to see, from the King James Version. And in some places, it's pretty extensive, but anyway. But and and as we consider this tonight, you know, there's something that we need to understand. You know, the word of believing the Word of God is preserved for us isn't really all that valuable if we aren't willing to obey it that's the most important part that we obey it peter says here we have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you you do well to take heed as unto light that shineth in a dark place unto the day dawn the day star rise in your hearts so we need to take heed to it that's like a light in a dark place. We know this. the Bible says in 1 John 5, the whole world lieth iniqui- in, in, in wickedness. It lies comfortable in sin and the wickedness in, 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 the, in the hands of Satan and under his rule. He's the God of this world. And so, uh, you know, the word of God is light in a dark place. But we have to accept this, <coughs> like everything else with God, it's a matter of faith. Genesis 1.1 simply says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the new earth. In other words, God doesn't go into this long dissertation as why you ought to believe that he is. He just states that he is. That he is. The heart of man, the conscience of man says there is a God. When they knew God. Romans one says, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. In other words, the conscience and the spirit of man bears witness that there is a God. The old preacher of Maryland used to say, he's with the Lord now. He used to say quite often, you know, that uh, conscience that every man has light is evident by the fact that no man steals his neighbor's cow and ties it in his front yard. No, why? Why not? Because that's conscience. You know, the, the light of the conscience. Bears witness to that sin against God. Uh, Hebrews 11 says <coughs> that we are to accept uh, His words by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 and also verse 6. Hebrews 11:3 says, "Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were seen were not made of things that were appear." Verse six says, "But without faith it is impossible, to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him." In faith, you know it does investigate evidence. You know, faith isn't—you know—it is a—it's—it's it's, it's stepping out on on a on a on nothing and finding a rock underneath. That that is true. But but faith does investigate evidence or testimony. It comes to logical conclusions. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, and, uh, verses 9 through 14. <coughs> Excuse me. Talk about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, so it investigates, searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And that's what Peter said. No scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, you can't take a verse of scripture and pull it out of its context and pull it out of the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. It's not of a private interpretation. It has to agree with the rest. It has to agree with the context. It has to agree with the rest of the Bible your interpretation. It's not of any private interpretation. So, he compares spiritual with spiritual. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So, you know, faith investigates the evidence. And, of course, as a person opens their heart and their mind to receive truth, we're not closed-minded people. We are open-minded, and open-minded doesn't mean you don't believe there's any absolutes. That's not open-mindedness. That's really having a closed mind, not willing to accept truth. Uh, You know, that's that's the way the world believes. But no, we, we are to investigate truth and come to conclusions, and that's what the Spirit of God, as we open our minds to receive truth, God bears witness and, and reveals truth to us. But if you've got a closed mind, you will never understand truth. If you say, I, don't want, I, I will not believe it, I refuse to believe it, I don't want to investigate it, because I don't like it. That's a closed mind. That's, that's the way the Pharisees were. They refused to believe that he was the Christ. Therefore, they would not investigate the evidence and come to right conclusions. Romans 1, 20 says this. The invisible things of him from the creation world are clearly seen. That's evidence. A lot of scientists, many, many scientists, refuse to weigh the evidence. There are some scientists, there's a group of scientists who were formerly evolutionists, who are now looking at, through computer models and on all these, the, the th- kind of things they're doing with computers and different things, they're coming to the conclusion, you know what? Darwin had to be wrong. There has to be a designer. You know, I was watching, this is a year or so ago, and there was three guys being interviewed by, by a Christian man, and, and they were talking about this very thing. And, and one of them, wouldn't, he said, well, I'm not going to say that, and he didn't use my terminology, but that Darwin was completely off his rocker. But he did admit that Darwin's philosophy did not work out. His theories, it wasn't even a theory. His, what he promoted, or, or, or promoted wasn't really working out the way he said it would. Therefore, it's not true can't be true and one of the other men went on to further to say no from the conclusions we are drawing today there has to be a designer no the Bible says here the invisible things of him from the creation world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse so that speaks of evidence there is a God You know, every creation has a creator. Every design, a designer. Every piece of art has an artist. And all order has somebody that put it in order. My shop's kind of disorderly right now. It needs an orderer. You know, one of these days, I'm going to put things in order. Then I won't know where they are. Uh, But anyway, no, this, you know, we must accept... The word of God by faith. (laughs) That God did preserve his word. After all he has said he did. So what does God say about his words? First of all. He said it would preserve it forever. Let's look at a few verses of scripture here. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. says and he humbled thee. And suffered thee hungry, and he fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. <clears throat> so so uh, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, he says. Uh, Psalm 12, <laughs> excuse me, verses 6 and 7. Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, says this. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. This uh, was it Psalm 119. Uh, I think it says, he's, we preserve it to a thousand generations. Uh, we just read that the other week. Um Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. It says, every word of God, notice, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust on him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Uh, and then, um, yeah, where am I? Matthew 5, verse 17, says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So he didn't come to change it or to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. You know, and over and over again, one of the things that says in the in Matthew, in particular, and that it might be fulfilled. You know, what, especially during the crucifixion, you know, there were multiple times Matthew would write and he'd say that it might be fulfilled, and then he would quote the Old Testament passage or where that was fulfilled. You know, not a bone in him would be broken. That was from Psalm 22, and, and and many other things. Of course, during his birth, you know, he quotes Isaiah 7:14, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Um so all these things you know uh, they will be fulfilled they will not pass away and uh, Matthew 24:35 says heaven and earth shall pass away but my words words plural shall not pass away not just word not just not just uh what's between the covers you know that we're always going to have it and and you know you can change some here and take some out here and, and no no no, no. The very words. We're talking about words on a page. And that's really what the, the, uh, the, the dissension is all about. Uh, the word of God. So he said he would preserve it forever. Uh, he describes his word as incorruptible. And again, First uh, Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> 1. Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Just like the blood of Christ is incorruptible. Which means it will not change, it cannot decay, it cannot be done away with. Uh, 1 Peter 1.18 For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world that was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead. "...gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass witheth, and the flower thereof falleth away." But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So, you know, the word of God is unchanging. It's unchanging. Now, one of the things that many critics say is that the King James Bible has changed over the years, and there have been revisions, and it don't look like I brought that paper along. To uh that <clears throat> um but those and and they say they I forget how many revisions they say they are, but those revisions have been spelling changes mostly um burnt or burned burn uh what burdens was changed to burden or um uh, you know, i'm you know even in our bible today there are some words that end with th that we don't we don't say say it like that today which if they would update the king james bible to the english language they wouldn't take away the word they just spell it differently in fact originally when the king james bible was written uh there used to be when you spell blind you had an e on the end so you drop the you know they dropped the e sin had was spelled, originally spelled S-I-N-N-E. Of course, we now just spell it S-I-N. So that was a change that was made. You know, this, this, the Bible we're using today, the King James Bible we're using today, I think is a 1769 edition. I think that's what. Uh, <coughs> but almost all of those have been spelling changes or uh, sentence structure changes, but the Word of God has not changed. <coughs> you know, the received text from which the King James Bible is translated from, has not had a revision in over 400 years. So the Greek text, from which the King James Bible is written in the New Testament, has not had a revision revision in 400 years. Now, the Nestle Island or Westcott and Hort text, from which all other versions are translated, have had 26 editions since 1898. In other words, they're constantly changing. Um, You know, this is much like church history where you have two branches of churches because you have two branches of Bibles in church history. Uh, You have the original manuscripts, Hebrew Old Testament, Greek New Testament, and then you have the traditional received text uh which is called the textus receptus and then you have this other group of manuscripts uh which are which are uh <coughs> excuse me uh, of alexandrian origin uh they call them Nestle they call them by different names but anyway uh the the textus receptus uh agree 95 all those manuscripts agree make up 95% of all manuscripts the difficulty or the contention is in 5% these other manuscripts only make up 5 account for 5% of the differences but it amounts to up to 10,000 word changes and so you know and again the, the received text has not received a revision in over four hundred years because it's it's correct it doesn't need a revision. We're well, constantly, you know, Eric Chapman. I remember when he was uh, talking about his Bible translation work in Lithuania years ago, uh, and he he was taught uh, the other to use other versions and other Greek texts and. And he had a United Bible Society Greek text, and he was using the fourth edition, and they were getting ready to come out with a fifth. And he, he, th- he said, I'm thinking to myself, does that mean I have to redo my whole translation? Well, he's going to have to update it. If he's going to agree with... See, they're constantly changing it. And uh, if that is so, how can I believe the Bible? No, God says His Word would not change. His Word would not change. Uh, look at Psalm 138. <coughs> God also said that He would magnify His Word above all His name. Psalm 138, verse 2. It says, I will, pray, I will worship toward Thy holy temple. Praise Thy name for the loving kindness and for Thy truth. For Thou hast magnified Thy Word above all Thy name. Do you remember what Moses said to do with a man in the wilderness that took the Lord's name in vain? What was he commanded to do with him? Stone him. You know, the Bible, uh, the, one of the, the what's the fourth commandment? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so a man took the Lord's name in vain. They brought him onto Moses, and Moses asked the Lord what he was doing. He said, Take him out and stone him. That was a serious offense. And God has said that He's magnified His word above His name. And to treat the Bible lightly or to consider it common, an ordinary book that needs changed here and changed there and revised here and revised there, and as these Critics and so-called scholars think it does? They don't evidently think very highly of the Word of God. You know, what? But the bottom line is they think they're responsible to correct it. No. God said, I've magnified my Word above all my name. Uh, the Lord Jesus said His church received them. In fact, this is why... The it's called the received text, John 17 and verse 8. Or the text of Receptus, which means received text. John 17, verse 8 says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. God didn't give his words to scholars. He gave them to his churches. He gave them to his church. He didn't give his words. To publishing companies. See, printing new Bibles is big business. Do you know China prints Bibles? Now, why would Communist China print Bibles? Money. It's big business. You know, it's interesting. I just throw this little tidbit out. Did you know your King James Bible is not copyrighted? I mean, you can, if you want to sell it, you can sell it. If you want to quote it online, you can quote it online. And nobody will come after you for copyright law. But don't do that with the NIV or a New American Standard or New King James because they're all copyrighted. That ought, say, that ought to tell us something right there. They're all copyrighted. It's about money. This is about money. Um, anyway, <clears throat> John seventeen eight. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. So he gave his words to his church, and they received him. He said, they have received him, uh, and of course. You know he would he told us that there would be things to yet to come um, in John 16 in yeah, John 16 verse 13, uh, he's telling his disciples here, howbeit when he the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak, he will show you things to come." So you know again, <laughs> the only things that the apostles would have had at the time of John 17 would have been everything Jesus said up to that point. So all the the book of Acts and the epistles from Romans to the book to the end of Revelation was all things yet to come, according to John 16, at that present time. All things yet to come. And Jesus said, The Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, Second Peter chapter 1, <coughs> verse 21 tells us. So, the, he said, the spirit will not speak of himself, he shall glorify me, he will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for a Bible that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ in English, it's King James. The others, in fact, I have a pamphlet here about the New King James Version. And it says, the New King James Version omits the word Lord 66 times, God 51 times, Repent 44 times, Blood 23 times, Hell 22 times, and the word Jehovah entirely. Uh, Damnation entirely. Devils entirely. Uh, So, you know, is there changes? There definitely is. No. No. We need a Bible that glorifies the Lord. Uh, So it's the churches that received, he said, received his word. Uh, He also pronounced a curse upon those who were to add or take away from his word. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. (coughs) Excuse me. Revelation 22, verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, think about that statement. If you add unto this book, he's going to add unto you the plagues that are written in this book, these Plagues that are written in this book are plagues that are going to be brought on the unsaved, wicked world. So we're talking about people that are unsaved. And he says, if you had, it's going to take away your part out of the book of life. What's in the, what's, what of yours, of you is in the book of life? Your name. Your name. He says he's going to take it out. And you're going to take it out, you're out of the holy city? The New Jerusalem? It's a serious thing. If we take away, there's a serious curse. Uh, the Lord commanded His churches to keep them. Uh, again, it's the responsibility of churches to preserve His words. Again, it's not the responsibility publishing houses. John 14, verse 23. John 14, 23 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, if Man love me, he will keep my words. and My Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. The word keepeth there has the idea of guarding. So, the, he said the churches that love him... You know, he gave them to his churches, and they would keep them. They would guard them. Uh, (laughs) You know, one of the things that the, uh, the New Version proponents have said is that the true manuscripts were lost for hundreds of years. However, the Waldensians had the, and I think it's the italic, um, Bible or something from the very first century and kept translating it or kept copying it and they had the word of God all through the dark ages. Up until the Reformation. In fact, I believe that's where Erasmus got a lot of his stuff for the Textus Receptus to put together. Uh <clears throat> so they had it, you know, no, the the true churches had the Word of God. Uh, many times missionaries go to foreign countries and I know several cases, and I'm trying to remember who who I was talking to, and the Bible that they're using may be corrupted. But at some point back in history, there was another Bible that was uh, uh, translated and was really from the from the TR family, Uh, and and so anyway, no, it was it was given to his church, and they were to keep them. the churches are to decide what is truth again, not scholars. look at john uh, john seventeen eight we just read he said receive them first uh, Timothy three fifteen says that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God <coughs> which is the Church of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, you know churches have received the Word of God, and it's the churches that decided what is scripture and what was not and it is not for scholars today to determine what is true and what is not it's the churches Uh, so that's what God has said about his words then I want you to notice also uh, the Bible and its fruit Um, go to Matthew chapter 7 again Matthew chapter 7 And verse 15, Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they have ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And then also in chapter thirteen, in verse twenty-three, he that received, he that receives seed in the good ground is he that under- heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringing forth some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. So the received text from which the King James Bible has been translated has produced faith, it's produced revivals, it's produced the greatest missions movement that was ever known to the world. All those things. What has the other brought, in to, brought to pass? What has the Nestle A. Allen on the Westcott and Hort and the other versions what have they brought? Questions. Confusion. Compromise. <laughs> I remember two different times, that in visitation particularly. One was a Muslim man. And he said, he said, the reason I don't believe the Bible is because mine's older than yours. Mine's older than the Bible, the Christian Bible. I said, well, it's not older than mine. He says, not. I said, no. Mine goes back to the first century. And I explained to him that the King James Bible is a translation from the received text, which was what Jesus gave to his disciples and says in John 17 8 that they received him. That's where it's got its name. He didn't know what to say. There was a lady. And you know, we knocked on her door and she said she was very religious. And I asked her something about it, how if she knew where she was going to spend Torah. And she said, how can we? We've got all these Bibles and they all say something different. And that is the truth. And I can prove that to you. Let's look at a few of them. And we'll start with the NIV. <clears throat> Actually, we'll start with the New King James Version. This is the one that's promoted as being the best. is the New King James Version, one of the batters, best. Um, Matthew seven fourteen says this in the King James Bible: "Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it." Now, the New King James Bible says this: "But narrow is the gate and difficult." is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now the different word, basically the different word is difficult. Now does difficult mean the same as narrow? No. You know, difficult could have the idea, you know, this is really hard to understand. Salvation really isn't that hard to understand. It may be hard to accept it. But it's not hard to understand it if you're willing to understand it. But see, difficult could imply that, oh, this is really hard to understand. That's different. That's a different meaning. It's a change. Uh, Matthew 26, 64. Matthew 26, 64. Jesus saith unto him, he's saying this to Pilate, thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, no, this he's saying this to high priest. I'm sorry, nevertheless I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now the New King James says this, Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of of the power of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven now the king James says that he's sitting on the right hand of power the new king James says he's sitting at the right hand of the power is there a difference there See, the King James is telling us that he is the power, that he has power. The new King James is telling us he's sitting beside the power. It's really, it's really damaging his deity. That seems subtle, but it's, it's a serious change. <laughs> Again, this is this is one of the things you know, Jesus said, They will glorify me. Uh, <clears throat> Acts three, thirteen. <clears throat> Acts chapter three and verse thirteen says the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up. Denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Uh, some reason I don't have... Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, wait a minute. The King James says his son, Jesus. The New King James says, his servant, Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Changes it from son to servant. It's different. You you and I are servants of the Lord. So what's the big deal? No, this is talking about the son of God, not a servant. Of God. Again, it does that several places. Verse 26, unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, and again, they change it to his servant Jesus. Servant. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, <clears throat> verse 29, for as much then as we the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by the art or man's device. And, and the New King James says, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by the art of man's device. Is it not true that when you and I get saved, we receive of the divine nature? Yes, it is true. No, he's not talking about the divine nature here. He's talking about the Godhead. As a serious revision or change. Uh, Genesis 22. Remember when Genesis 22, Isaac asked Abraham, we got the fire, we got the wood, we got the fire. Where's the lamb? And Abraham said this, son, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. For for a burnt offering. Now the New King James says. God will provide for himself. The lamb. For a burnt offering. No. King James says. God will provide himself a lamb. That's a prophetic statement. Concerning Jesus Christ. And it is destroyed. By the New King James version. Where it says. God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Isaiah sixty six five. Hear the word of the Lord ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for his namesake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy. In other words, the Lord's going to appear to your joy. And they removed that statement. The Lord's going to appear. And then Second Thessalonians chapter three verse five says, in our King in the Bible, I don't think New King James is a Bible, in my opinion. Anyway, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, into the patient waiting for Christ. Now you understand, you're supposed to patiently wait for Christ, right? Well, they change it, that the Lord will direct your hearts into the love of God. It's it's. Lot, you know, the wording is always very close, but there's always these subtle changes. The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. So you have the patience of Christ. No, we're to have, be patiently waiting for Christ. He's coming for us. So again, it destroys His coming. It changes that. Um, that's, that's just some in the New King, New King James, and there are many, uh, there's a <clears throat> Pamphlet I have here. Um they uh, also make some changes concerning concerning um uh, standards. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um uh, <clears throat> Homosexuals is changed to effeminate. Uh, sodomite is changed to perverted persons, and, and so on. <coughs> Which they believe there was a sodomite on one of the revision committees of the New King James as well. Uh, they <coughs> haven't been able to prove it, but seems to be evidence in that direction. However, there was a lesbian on one of the Old Testament committees of the Old of the New International Version, Virginia Mullincott. And she came out later as lesbian. Uh, <clears throat> and just to give you a few things here from the NIV, uh, in John three thirteen, John chapter three and verse thirteen, it says, "No man ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven." So Jesus was on earth when He made that statement, and what He was saying is, "I am God. I am. I'm all." everywhere present i'm omnipresent i'm everywhere i'm a spirit well the niv says no man no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the son of god son of man No, jesus said even the son of man which is in heaven so he was declaring that he was god (coughs) excuse me um In in uh, Acts chapter ten, and <clears throat> two times, when Peter in the account of Peter going to Cornelius, in Acts chapter ten, <clears throat> um, in verse six, it says, "He lodged with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do." So it declares the purpose. The Lord is telling Cornelius why you need to send for Peter. He will tell thee what thou hast to do. Well, the NIV says he is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And again, in verse 32, when it's rehearsed again, exactly what was said, again, they leave out, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. That part is left out. So the the part about Peter's going to go and tell him what he needs to do to be saved. That is left out of the account. In Acts chapter 8, in verse 37, when Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, or, or no, the Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip why, what hinders him to be baptized, Philip's answer is deleted. It's gone. It's not there. And it has a little footnote. At the bottom of the page it says the oldest manuscripts did not have this verse, and it's been added by the translators or something to that effect. And so again, these are just some of the changes um, <coughs> in the English Standard Version. They all follow Matthew 18:11, the Son of Man has come to seek and come to save that which is lost. It's, it's not there. They just it's just a blank. Um, Mark chapter eleven, verses tw- verse twenty six, which says, "But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your your trespasses." Again, that's deleted out. It's not there. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> just to, uh, you know, and I I got four pages here, so I don't have time to go over all of it. Um, but one of the ones i wanted wanted to uh look at hebrews 1 3 hebrews 1 3 <coughs> hebrews 1 3 says this who being the brightness of his glory the expressed image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, one of the things about the King James Bible is it's very specific. It's very easy to read. By the way, there's more one-syllable words in the King James Bible than any other version. But, it's very specific. Hebrews 111 in the the English Standard Version says this: He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Now, so it leaves out when He had by Himself purged our sins. So it's very specific. By himself, he's the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by the name. it's very specific. By himself, purged, whose? Ours. There are some people that actually believe that Jesus went to hell to purge himself. I remember years ago, my brother-in-law and I were out in visitation. And we visited a lady that he mowed lawn for, mowed grass for, and we had quite a discussion there. We were there quite a while, going through different passages of the Bible, and she believed that Jesus went to hell to purge his own sin. And I took her from passage to passage, you know, that shows, you know, which of you convinces me of sin, John three, and in him is no sin. I said, and then and then I I said to her at one point. So what sin did he commit? Well, I don't know. He 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 had to have he'd had to have some bad thoughts. You know, but she was convinced that he went to hell to purge his own sins. No, he had no sins. And see, it very clear, it's very clear in the King James Bible that he didn't purge any of his own sin, he purged ours. So There are a lot of changes made, and we'll look at more of these next week. We've got to stop for now uh, as we continue this, um, looking at some other things as to why, reasons why we use the King James Bible and not other um, versions of the Bible, why we believe it's God's words for us in the English language. But the important thing is, We must not just believe that it's God's words. We need to give heed to it. We need to give heed to it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for your words that are incorruptible and preserved for us. And we thank you that we have your promises and uh, we can rest and have confidence in. And Lord, we pray that you would help us just apply these truths to our lives and be a witness and testimony for the goodness of God in giving his word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.